Here are a few truths about bike racing, and especially about crit racing. You will lose way more often than you win. You will get dropped from your race way more often than you make the winning breakaway. You will find yourself exhausted, sore, fatigued, just plain run down, doubled over your handlebars, gasping for breath in a parking lot somewhere near your hometown on a you know Saturday or Sunday. And you'll wake up the next day, the very next day, and you'll say, that was the most awesome experience of my life. I cannot wait to go back to it. That's who we are as bike racers, people who like the struggle, who find the hustle exciting, who want to go back again and again and again to that pain cave because that's where we are our happiest and where we are the most in love with the bike racing life that we've chosen. My name is Rob Kelly. This is Criterium Nation, a show about life lived one corner at a time. We are a proud part of the Wide Angle Podium network of shows, wideanglepodium.com. Go there, find out everything about the full bevy of shows that we've got. This episode is going to be a little bit different than other episodes because one, it's going to be shorter. Two, it's just going to be me. And three, there is no fluff here. All it is is a race recap of this weekend's race at Armed Forces Cycling Classic. So we've got the Crystal Cup and we've got the Clarendon Cup. I just got home from the Clarendon Cup, so everything is fresh in my mind. I know who won. I know how the race played out because I got to see it with my own two eyes. Crystal City, I've got some great notes here, so I can delve deep into the results there. I will be honest, prefacing this right now, I had more time and more experience with the men's races this weekend than I did with the women's races, just because it was the schedule that I had. My race preceded the women's race, so while they were racing, I was trying to get water and recover. It's just that simple. I'm really sorry. It's the fact of nature, and I really wish that I can figure out a way to do this better in the future. Celine is in Charlottesville. Alan is on the West Coast, so you just got me. And here we go. We're going to start with the Crystal City Cup, the Crystal Cup. It is in the new area of Arlington, Virginia, on the Virginia side of Washington, D.C., that Amazon is moving into. So it's a bit of a construction site right now, but we've been promised that it'll be perfect in a couple of years once Amazon's headquarters is up and running. It is a six-corner kind of like P-shaped race that is about 1.4 kilometers in length. There is elevation change, but at the speed that you're going, it's not much that you will ever, ever feel. The fun part about it, I don't know if this is fun for me or fun for everybody else, but the finishing straight is about 400 meters long. So the rest of the course is 1K, and the finishing straight, which is flat and straight, is 400 meters, meaning you come out of that final corner and you can see a long way in front of you. Also, what makes this race a bit unique is that you go from four lanes of traffic on that 400 meter long finishing straight into a two lane narrow road with very tall curbs on either side. That's where a lot of the action happens. That's also where a lot of the crashes happen, but that is a decisive point in this race. So the women raced for 60 minutes, the men raced for 90 minutes. The women's race was a very controlled event, controlled by a variety of teams. In the end, 
So we're going to flash all the way forward to the end because this is kind of what happened. The women's race, people got tried to get away, but nothing really ever developed. So it became what did Legion of Los Angeles do at the end? How did Legion make this race their own? Because in the end, this was Legion's weekend to win. They had a stacked team that was here. They had the firepower, and that's what they did. Kendall Ryan got let out from about a mile and a half away, I swear. She had won the race by the time that she crossed the point where I was standing, which was about 300 meters to go. So almost out of the edge of that turn. Kendall wins. Alexis, her sister, is the person who let her out, and she came in second. You know, the rest of the team did a great job of getting those women in the right place, and they executed for 2024, Marlies Mihalis came in third place. It was a stacked field. 90-plus women started. Not all of them finished. There was some attrition, but not as much attrition as there would be the next day at Clarendon Cup, which, again, was a Legion-controlled affair for the women. The women were riding mostly as a group, shedding people off the back of that 90-person-plus field. They finished with a smaller group today, but in the last lap, it was, again, Legion of Los Angeles. They stacked it from about four or five laps out. They put four women on the front, and they just kept going. When they went through the final Final two corners of the Clarendon Cup race today on Sunday. It was just Kendall Ryan and Alexis. That was it. They were the ones who had the chance to win. They were the ones who had the opportunity to win. And in fact, that's what ended up happening. Kendall Ryan wins again today. She wins the overall for the Armed Forces Cycling Classic. Marlies Mihalis of 2024 moves one step up from third to second for today. And then the Australian wonder Peter Mullins from Rock Salt Live SRAM comes in third. Alexis Ryan, the lead out for Kendall, she came in fourth today. So it shows you just how powerful they were. And Shana Powell's of Legion also in the top 10 in sixth place. She was another one of the lead out trains. That's not to say that the women of 2024 didn't try to negate what Legion did. You know, Jennifer Valenti did an incredible job job leading the women of 2024 to a good result today, but they were just outmatched by the women of Legion of Los Angeles. So let's talk more in depth about the men's racing here for the next couple of minutes for the remainder of the show. At the Crystal City Cup, Crystal Cup, Crystal City, whatever you want to call it, it was a very tactical race it tends to be it's shorter than the clarendon cup so attrition and just nutrition are not as big of a factor but it is still 90 minutes in length which means like i said yesterday on the live stream that all the action gets to start right around the one hour mark there were a couple of attempted breakaways that happened, but right about 45 minutes into the race, so right about the halfway point, a group of three men started to pull away. And it took them several laps in order to really develop a breakaway. And that was the break of the day. It was a three-person breakaway featuring Johnny Clark from Wildlife Generation, Evan Hardig from Project Echelon, and then John Lipka from Good Guys Racing. A different look Good Guys Racing. Today they were wearing white instead of their normal black. It's a summer color for them. The three men built up a lead that got up to about 20 seconds in length before the field started to really start reel them back in. 
but that effort didn't really kick in until about 13 laps to go or 14 laps to go. That's when Legion of Los Angeles started to establish their lead out train. And we've talked in the past, and we're going to talk about it again right here, coming over the top of somebody. And I don't think we've ever really genuinely explained how these lead out trains work and how a team like Legion or Best Buddies or Butcher Box, whoever happens to be, establishes control in a men's race. So let's use the example that we had here at Crystal City. We had Legion of Los Angeles with five riders at that point in time. There were six that started, but Justin Williams, who's coming back from a really horrific shoulder injury, dropped out of the race about halfway through. So you had five guys for Legion of Los Angeles on the front. It was abundantly clear that Corey Williams was going to be their sprinter because he was sitting in reserve about five wheels back. So what do Ty Magner, Alec Cowan, Sam Boardman, and company end up doing that creates this great leadout train? Well, what they do is they start to make it hard. They don't make it impossibly hard. They just make it harder than you want it to be so that it gets strung out behind them and teams start to line up behind them. What they also do is they identify where the wind is coming, what angle the wind is coming from on a certain stretch of the course, and then they move over to the extreme edge of that so that if you are going to come up, you have to come up into the wind and burn more energy. Nothing on tour. This is not one of those echelon situations like they've got in the Tour de France where they're trying to put people into the grass on the side of the road and then you have to pass there. No, it's just they line it up so that if you want to come around, you got to come around in the wind. And as you're approaching a corner, they if they're on the inside or outside, they will swing out cut off anybody coming up and then swing back in, take the corner nice and smoothly, reestablish themselves like that. It is a masterpiece. If you can go check out Corey Williams's helmet camera video from something like, I don't know, the Valley of the Sun. You can just see how wonderfully they execute this and how drilled they are because they do the same thing at CBR races that they're going to do at Tulsa Tough, wherever they happen to go. That's how they are so drilled and so schooled in it. The trick is when you come over the top in one of these situations as a team, you have to come over the top in total. One person or two people at a time is not going to get it done. You have to bring your entire group of six guys or five guys or however many you have over the top of them, which means coming around them in the wind, getting in front of them before you hit that corner because they're going to swing out and they're gonna cut you off. There were a lot of really good men's teams fully represented at Armed Forces Cycling Classic. Not only did you have the aforementioned Wildlife Generation, Legion, Best Buddies, you had Emmanuel Ibari, which is becoming more and more of a presence all over the place. You had ButcherBox, you had CS Velo. You had a new look, Automatic Racing. They were wearing a different color kit because Armed Forces matched them with a local sponsor for the weekend. So instead of their normal orange, they were wearing yellow and blue. So you had teams who knew how to do this and knew how to execute the coming over the top maneuver or the lead out maneuver or any maneuver. There were good guys at this race. You knew which teams came into the race designed to make it a breakaway, Project Echelon, wildlife generation. Those are the teams that were sending the guys up the road early on. Those are the guys who got into the three-man breakaway that got close to getting some good time, like I said, 20 seconds, but they did eventually get reeled back, and that's where we are now with Legion at the front holding their own. 
with about three or four laps to go, the trains from ButcherBox and Best Buddies started to compete. They were moving up as a threesome. So Legion on the inside, ButcherBox, and then Best Buddies. And this happened a couple of times before Best Buddies was able to actually get their entire train around Legion's train. It was beautiful. They got it up there and they got a lot of speed that went with it. And all of a sudden, Legion started to scramble. Everybody started to scramble. Somebody from Automatic with two laps to go went off the front, but it was a solo move. He came up the inside and that's just not going to cut it. It's just too long of a distance at the speed that Best Buddies was putting down. In the end, however, with one lap to go, Alec Cowan and Ty Magner from Legion of Los Angeles came up and they came up hard and that created confusion. That created a momentary twitch, pause for Best Buddies and that was what Ty Magner needed. The last lap comes around down that 400 meter long finishing stretch. It is Ty Magner in first place, Danny Estevez from Best Buddies, and then his teammate Alfredo Rodriguez charging hard towards the end. You had Scott McGill in fourth place and then Juan Arango from Emanuele Berry in fifth place. Those are names that are going to feature again the next day, which is why I bring them up. So here we go, Clarendon Cup. 100 kilometers of racing in Arlington, Virginia, five corners per lap for the men's race. That's 500 corners. The women's race is 50K in length. So instead of 500 corners, they've got 250. The corners are not, as you would imagine, in any way, shape or form normal. This is Arlington, Virginia. After all, their roads are designed not to make sense, but to go in every different way possible. So you've got acute angle, you've got obtuse angle corners, you've got a couple of 90 degrees, but they're spaced very close to each other. So between corner number one and corner number two, it's basically one long corner that goes into a quick chicane, which is corner number three. And then you hit corner four and five, which is again, one basically long arching loop into the finishing straightaway, which has a slight rise to that line. It is a one kilometer long course. And that finishing stretch is a third of the race. You build up a lot of speed and then you gotta hold your position. Clarendon is renowned for being a race where breakaways can get up the road, fields can get lapped. You can move a lot more efficiently in a small group than you can in the big pack. And, and this is the important part, attrition plays such a huge factor in this race. Fortunately today, fortunately for the riders, today the temperatures were only in the low 80s. They weren't in the 95 plus range like they've been in the past with 1000% humidity. A lot of the teams showed up here about a week ago, likely getting heat acclimated, weather acclimated for races like Armed Forces, Tulsa, and then the Pro Championships in Knoxville. Those teams coming from more arid, drier climates wanted to get a little humidity into their lungs. And that's exactly what they got today. Just not as super hot as it normally could be, which is why it didn't seem to at first have that much attrition, but we need to flash forward to about 50 laps into the men's race before things started to get interesting. So 
about half of the 140 men by that point in time had fallen off the back. And now you had the cream rising to the top. And it was one of those moments where as a spectator, you can start to feel the field just breaking down the cohesion breaking down, the viciousness of the attacks and the covers were breaking down. With 50 or 45, rather, laps left to go, remember you've already been racing for close to an hour and a half, you had a breakaway of a substantial size with almost every team represented. It almost looked more like a field split than a breakaway. But that was the first sign that things were starting to go south for the pack field sprint finish. That did get brought back, but it set the stage for the winning move of the day. Three riders were able to eventually get up the road, two from Wildlife Generation, Johnny Clark, Brandon Rim, and then one rider, Tanner Ward from Best Buddies. And they worked together really, really well. And with three guys, you can really roll those corners pretty solidly and pretty efficiently compared to the folks behind us. But here it is, again, teamwork is so critical and so important. As those three gentlemen are getting themselves established up the road, you've got their teammates back in the field doing what they can do to disrupt the chase. Not sitting on the front, but sitting three or four people back so that only a couple people could get up there and do the actual work. So you had two or three guys from Legion, one guy from Project Echelon doing the work, and then you had about six or seven guys from Best Buddies and Wildlife Generation. And in a course that's that technical with that many corners, it's hard to shuffle and bring people up. So the breakaway kept getting more and more and more distance to the point where they were getting within 15 or 20 seconds of lapping what remained of the field. A secondary break, in fact, started to get up the road that featured Hugo Scala Jr. from Project Echelon, uh, Scott McGill again from Wildlife Generation, and Juan Arango from Emanuele Bari. They, those three never were able to make any headway into the leading group, but they definitely did stay away for the distance. So you've got your three guys who we now know are going to eventually be the winners, the podium riders, they are up there. They are trying to figure it all out. Well, in a two-on-one situation, it's classic. I saw it happen right in front of me. The two guys from Wildlife Generation started jumping Tanner Ward. One would accelerate. Tanner would have to cover. Tanner would cover. The next one would accelerate. Tanner would cover. And, and you would go on and on and on like that. It didn't take too many times before Brandon Rim from Wildlife Generation got a decent gap. And then Tanner is just trying the best that he can to bring him back. And he's got a giant anchor in the form of Johnny Clark on his wheel. Brandon Rim, your winner today at the Clarendon Cup, solo by a good margin with Johnny Clark from his team, Wildlife Generation, in second place. And then Tanner Ward from Best Buddies, the winner of the Belgian Waffle Ride, Kansas, coming in third today at the Armed Forces Cycling Classic, the Clarendon Cup. Thank you so much for joining me on this quick recap of the Armed Forces Cycling Classic. We will be at Tulsa Tough this week. Hopefully we'll be able to put together an episode following Tulsa Tough about everything that happens on those three days of racing. We are a proud part of the Wide Angle Podium network of shows. Today's episode was written, produced, and edited to the extent that it is by me, Rob Kelly. We will 
See you all again next week or thereafter for more stories from our Criterium Nation. Thank you.